don't have to like everything we say. You don't have to listen to us. Dear Mr. Gray Man, as it says, I am getting ready to travel with my girlfriend, hopefully soon to be wife, to Europe. I really like the shows where you talk about travel safety and travel tips. Are there any more that you have as I'm actually about to do this and I'm concerned for safety, but I'll make sure there's nothing that we miss, which is a paraphrased version of a very long email, which, yeah, I got you. I got a few more I can tell you about, some good ideas. I'll recap a couple that I've mentioned in the past for coming up on the travel season things you might want to look for that keep you safe and help you with your situational awareness and are just good practicing ideas for anybody when you travel. So a few travel tips right here on Gray Man, hiding in plain sight. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh my God, I feel terrible. We got to get through this. You know, it seems like every time I mention something going well, I, I mean, I've done it on here, but doing it to anybody that turns around and goes badly. So mentioning I had Starlink, which is great, but then I get to a place and they had this cool thing going on here at this Air Force base, planes flying for days, all kinds of old planes. I like get to see a group in formation that consists of like an F-15 and a P-51 and a MiG, I think it was, you know, stuff like that was cool, but it was loud. And then, although the days were nice, it was super cold at night, and I couldn't do any recordings. So after on the heater, and you can hear it. And then I started getting sick, and it was funny because I was talking to Luke, and like he knew it, and figured I knew. I didn't know until the next day. But I, I've got to catch up on these because I'm, I'm falling behind. But this is a, a good question about travel tips. A few that maybe need to be reiterated, and some that we don't think about all that often, or might be good ideas. And you can translate these, of course. There's some of these that you can just do with anything you know, any of your, your stuff. Like the first one, it's really important, especially when going overseas is dealing with your passport and you should make a paper and digital copy. There's some limitations to what you can do with those copies, but you can still scan it and do such things as that, or take photos with your phone, a place where you can save it in the cloud that you have access to. And, and I would, if you want to go the extra mile, create, you know, a simple email account of, that you can uh, send that to that you know the passwords and stuff too, that's a burnable account so he doesn't have access to all your other stuff. If you screw up and, you know, use a 
internet cafe, which is a common name for places that have internet in Europe, Middle East, and other areas, you know, and somebody has access to your stuff. So you can go the extra mile and do that. And then, you know, any paper copies you have can be helpful, especially when you're dealing with uh, your own embassy, not necessarily the foreign nation. Now, another thing I've talked at before is registering with your embassy, which is where you're going to go in and tell them you're in the country, you know, advise them on where you're staying, any information they want. It's helpful for them because, you know, it seems unlikely for where you're going, but we've had issues around the world in places that also seemed unlikely where you had to evacuate American citizens. And it could happen for any reason. It doesn't have to be like Russia goes crazy and invades Europe. It could just be major natural disaster events or, you know, disturbances like in France, I knew people that went to France uh, basically as, we'll say, foreign exchange students, part of training for language training. And they were at the airport or on their way to the airport a few years ago when the riots got really crazy. The dudes wearing all the yellow vests and stuff. And they were trying to expedite the removal of them, the uh, service members. So these things can happen. And that's a good idea to register with the embassy. And it makes it easier for them to contact you and find you and get accountability to get people out of there instead of kind of being stuck on your own, hoping for the best, not knowing what to do. Another good one, too, and depending on how much traveling you're doing in Europe, this could be a little more lengthy than some people, but learn some basic phrases. There's a lot of good apps out there, people advertising ones like Babbel all the time. And I remember when Rosetta Stone was big and Pilsner is a good one. Depending on how much language you want to learn, but you want to learn some basic stuff. You don't even have to have a conversational level. But the essentials, the please, the thank yous, the hellos, the goodbyes, the yes and no, you know, those are common ones, but other ones we want to add to those is that you need police or emergency services, which you want to say police or I need an ambulance. I I need to know where the bathroom is and can you help me? And also how to say that you don't have cash so that people understand that you're using a card, for example. These are very simple ones, but they're very helpful because, for example, some countries you go to, and you need medical assistance when you go and you pay cash. And that's the only way they accept payment and you pay right there. Not that you'll get in trouble necessarily. It depends on the country and how their system works. But we want to think of these about ways where just something happens. You sprain the ankle. You know, it's not, you, I mean, yeah, you always got to be concerned about things like violence and getting robbed. But, you know, something simple happens. You need to go to the airport or you get malaria, you know, because you travel somewhere in, say, Africa. Or you get sick. Maybe you get COVID while you're over there. All kinds of reasons why we'd want to know some of these basic phrases. They're very helpful to get through with the community, but also some places they look up a little bit to you and I appreciate that you've tried to learn their language. The other thing too, when we're looking at apps is there's some apps that work as translators where you can type in or say something and then they'll translate to that language. If you're going to use that, if you have the ability, I would find somebody that speaks the language you're going to be translating to and attempt to use that a few times. There's a few apps out there. Make sure you know which ones work. And if, let's say, you're going to hit some of the major hotspots in Europe and travel, I would just look at the places you already know you're going to go, where you're most likely to interact with people. So you want to think about hotels and restaurants or, um, oh, whatever those, it's on the tip of my tongue. They're not hotels, but where all the hikers go and stay, hostels. Those are the places where you want to learn those basic phrases, but also look at population. You're, most people do speak somewhat of English, but it depends on how far you're going, especially if you get into the eastern side. It can be a little rougher. But common languages like French and German are pretty widespread, but so are Dutch and a few others. So, you know, figure those out, which ones you want to use. And hopefully, between that and modern technology, you have a good communication experience and a better trip. As we talk so much about gaining information and doing research, I think that's the one thing that people underestimate and undervalue. I was watching a, a deal uh, 
I mentioned in the past a friend of mine who travels as a missionary to Africa. And I was watching some other people that had gone to the same area, same same exact place she goes and manages. And talking about how they were going through the airport and going through customs and security and they brought computers for things and it was like this big deal. That I think they did get them through, but it was this big deal about what you could not couldn't bring in the country. And they were talking about it like it was this huge thing and this big victory for them. And I was sitting there going like, man, this is so sad because that was easy to know. You could have researched that. You could have figured that out. So one of the things you want to look at is wherever you're flying in and out of your port, you want to look at customs rules and things there, how long customs takes. Make sure you understand what you can and cannot bring in and what could or could not be considered a good or bad thing. And make sure if you're going to run the risk where it seems like this is probably okay, but it also seems like it might be a violation. As long as it's not going to put you in jail, you can bring it. Just make sure you understand you could lose that. You know, how important is it? Can you get that item over there? You know, so if you're going to be backpacking, can you bring trekking poles or can they have the removable tips on them? You know, what can you can bring or can you not bring? And that's an important thing. But then you get to places like where you're staying. So do you have to give up your passport like at a hostel? You know, and is that a normal thing, which is something you'd want to ask the embassy. Another thing to look at, too, is based on your time frame, even closer as it gets, the one you'll constantly want to be checking, especially if you have a phone, is the weather. Looking for major weather pattern changes, you know, out of nowhere stuff. We'll be talking about the weather actually in a later podcast, but is there a significant change in weather that's affected your plans? Has there been droughts in the areas you want to go hiking and now some rains are coming in and you can put that together and go, that might not be safe because there's been super droughts. Now there's all this massive rain. There could be landslides like we saw in California a few months ago. So we want to pay attention to those kinds of things. The other things is you want to look for political unrest. Maybe an election's coming, but are we having riots in the streets? Are we throwing Molotov cocktails? We're getting to that level of violence in any country in Europe. It's probably going to go on for a while, and we want to be sure. Is that in our area where we're at? What, how's that going to be affected on travel? And the thing is you can contact the State Department to find that out, but you can also try to contact the embassy over there. I've done it. You can find embassy and consulate phone numbers. You can call them, and you can get some information, and they can also direct you to the places to ask those questions. So you can do a lot of that beforehand. The other things we can do, too, is research information. Like I've talked about money before. Where's the best place to exchange money? Where's the best, safest place to stay? What forms of transportation do I want to use in this country and not use in this country? You know, if I'm renting a vehicle, what am I doing? Are they known to scam you at the gas pumps? You know, one of the biggest things. I don't know if I talked about this one, but I I got reminded of it from somebody I know. They were in Mexico. So they drove down there. And the issue they ran into, the guys were there like pumping your gas. So if you ever go to Mexico or any country and they're going to pump gas for you before you let them do anything, you get out and look at that pump because what they're doing in some areas of Mexico. And some of this was very recently is they wouldn't clear it out from the last person. So it might say like $27 or whatever. So then they fill up your five gallons of gas and all of a sudden you owe them a hundred bucks because they added the last two or three on there. and You didn't check. It becomes this big issue and you end up having to pay it. So what types of information like that do we need to make sure we're not getting scammed? You know, if you're going to be doing the backpacking thing and you want to go to this really nice restaurant, are they going to allow you to come in there looking like a hiker and a backpacker? You know, what, what are the best things you can do for your trip to understand what you can and can't do? Where can I go? What can I take with me? These are the types of things that can change the complete dynamic of our trip. Just like I talked about campfires when camping, these little things could actually make it feel like just something terrible. Like you're saying, this is your girlfriend's, Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't even edit that completely out. Oh, but like, say you're going to do a proposal and it's going to be all romantic. Where are you going to do that? Because if you're hiking and it's going to be the nice restaurant, you need to find that out beforehand. 
you know, if you're going up to a cool mountaintop and you're hiking, you know, whatever, have at it. But make sure you know where you can and can't go. What are, like prices, for example. In some places, prices differ. Even in the United States, like when I lived in Hawaii in the military, we used to get these things called Kamaena carts. And they give them to the military members because we weren't Hawaiians. And it was so that not all places would do it, but most places would give us local pricing. Meaning when you go to Hawaii, if you don't know this, there are places where there are different prices. There are prices for the locals and there are prices for the American citizens. And then some places there's prices for foreigners and it's all legal. So it depends on where you're at and what they're doing. And in other countries, it's like that too. There might be different prices for locals or different prices for you. So make sure you understand what price am I really paying? You know, and that comes down to also the cards that we're carrying, credit cards. If you have the ability to sign up for a new credit card, I'm not saying do that, but definitely research them online and look for ones that have possibly travel points if you're going to be traveling more. But what you really want to look for are overseas transaction fees. There are still plenty of cards that charge high fees for using them in any form or only in certain ways overseas. Whereas other banking institutions cut you break and if you use them overseas, they don't charge you anything. And you want to make sure you know and you want to call that bank and get the details long before you go so that you don't have potentially hundreds of dollars in extra charges because you didn't know that you should be using the bank card you had from this bank over here instead of the credit card from this bank and it was an expensive mistake now in previous episodes ones i've talked about were transportation and that's a big one big the biggest thing about transportation is knowing what is common and knowing what realistic expected pricing is from point a to point b typically going to be your port your your uh, hotel or i mean your airport to your hotel or your airport to your destination and even within the city if you're taking a cab, what's a realistic pricing? And you don't ask the cab driver that. You can't ask the embassy this. There are other people you can ask. You can also find all kinds of guys that are influencers that have websites. And like one guy, I don't know if he still does stuff. I used to read about stuff by this guy called Nomadic Matt. He had a website. He did a little bit of YouTube, traveled. I mean, he's got all kinds of information on credit cards and stuff. Even if he's not still doing this, I guarantee his stuff's still out there. And there's going to be... Information that might be out of date, but most of it will be useful, and I would definitely look at that. But find other people that are basically professional travelers or influencers that are doing travel, and they can even if they're their whole thing's just planes. Fine, find out about planes. What are the best planes to take? What you know? What are the best pricing options? What are the best times to fly? What are the best credit cards to use? What are the best places to stay? You know, there's touristy things you want to do over there. Find somebody that's been there, and they go, "Oh yeah, you absolutely want to do this thing in Europe, but you only want to do it this time of year. So if you're going this time of year, don't do it." And then you're like, "Oh okay, so I probably shouldn't do that, or I probably should do that." You know, if you have choices to look at, and you're trying to narrow down what to do. You're basically using the information everybody else has learned and using it to your own advantage. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Something else to look at when it comes to money too is finding out what money they accept. We often assume too much, especially in Europe. Will they accept American currency or do you need local currency? And when you're in places like Europe, how many different local currencies will they accept? What would be the best options for you to have? And even if you're using, say, credit cards, some places will not accept credit cards from other countries or specific countries. So make sure you find out ahead of time. Will this hotel take an American credit card? And if they will, will they take American Express or will they only take Visa? Just like you find more and more in the United States places that won't take American Express because of their high costs, then you'll you'll find that other places in the world are doing that too. That's like 
Costco forever was known to be the American Express store, and then they eventually switched to Visa. Why? Probably just due to the high transaction costs that American Express charges. Probably saved them potentially, I don't know, could have saved them millions for all we know. There's other places like that, and you want to find out, you know, why. Or even if there's some restriction because of the type of bank that you're using. So there's different things you can look at when it comes to your money and your form of currency and whether or not the place you're going to go will accept it. And then you also want to find out common denominations to carry so that you're not whipping out the equivalent of $100 bills where it would be noticeable and you would be a target, whereas in other places it would be okay to do it. You know, It's like in America, you go to Las Vegas, one of the things they say is on the Strip, $100 bills are basically like pennies. I mean, they're everywhere. They're just like a dollar bill. There's an acceptable loss category for casinos in Vegas for fake $100 bills because they just can't track the movement. You know, they'll investigate anything, but it's very, very common there. But then you go to small town USA and you go to the grocery store for a Coke and a candy bar and whip out $100 bills. They might not even take it. You know, it's very common to have people like, I'm not taking that. Or it looks like they're going the extra mile to verify it and tells you exactly how often they see those things. So that's something you can find out beforehand to make sure that you don't make a mistake or that you actually have money, but you can't use it because you have the wrong currency or they can't provide the change. Well, I have talked about this before. One of the most important things is to keep your luggage close, especially when going from point A to point B. Aside from all the scams I've talked about, some people just straight up steal it. And while some areas are far more widely known than this, the fact is that you're at any type of port. So like if there's ships involved or you're doing like an airport, especially when you're outside the building in the major transportation areas or at a bus station or any of these types of places, it's because you're there that you're a target more than the country you're in. Even though the country you're in, it might be uh, more common. It's definitely because that's where you're at. So you want to make sure that you have those things close. You also want to know, and I've talked about this before, but knowing the escape routes from your hotel room. You know, whether or not there's fire escapes or whatever there is and what their local plan is and what you're supposed to do in certain types of emergencies. And read those cards on the doors in those foreign countries because find out what they say. We, we just assume that they talk about fire escapes because that's what we do in America. But you get over there, there's some countries you go to, like, so you go to, like, Thailand, and you're going to stay on a beach. Some of their evacuation procedures have to do with what you do in the case of a tsunami. So make sure you read those cards to understand what are things that would be, not that they're common, this would just be the most likely thing to happen. And then go check that escape route. Do the doors work? Is it safe to go that way? You know, what happens in this event? What should I do? And you can go ask the hotel manager and get some more information on it to find out what it is. And then... You want to make sure that while stairs may be great for exercise, stairs are where crimes happen. So stairs, when elevators are available, are most likely going to be our way of escaping during an event because elevators could be locked down or you could eventually get trapped. But for all the other times, it's better to stick in the elevators. Most of the crimes that happen when people are going to and from a room in a hotel or will be in a stairwell will not be in the elevator. The elevator is too trapped and too confined, and you, even if you you know, open, shut the door, do the stuff they do in the movies, you never know who's going to see you, and a lot of them have cameras now. And even if they don't have cameras, the safest place to commit a crime for a bad guy is going to be in that stairwell. And while you're in the hotel, one of the things you want to find out about is how many stories it is. And a couple things to note. One, just like an apartment complex, you don't want to stay on the bottom floor. You're more prone to break-ins there, just easier for people to get in and get out, especially if they have, like, sliding glass doors or big windows. But the other thing you want to find out, if you can find out, is about emergency services and what their capabilities are. Because there's plenty of countries where emergency services don't have the physical capability to evacuate people from higher floors because they don't have the material or the vehicles to do so. So you want to aim for the middle, but you don't want to be 
Like, think about these big, go back to Vegas, man. Some of those places where they're 50 stories tall or something. How are they getting dudes out of there if something happens? Like, go to the roof and we're going to fly in the military like in a movie. So think about the floor you're going to be on. Find out how many floors there are. You know, going up to floor two, floor three is definitely going to be okay. A lot of places, even a little bit higher. But once you start looking at double digits, you're probably too high in most countries. Another thing about hotels, and depending on the size, the quality of the hotel, whether or not it's a Vegas tourist place or just small town mom and pop B&B, they'll have things like gift shops and restaurants, maybe multiples. You know, they might even have event centers and stuff. Some of the bigger hotels, we see that. So I, I would tell you this, the more touristy it is, meaning it's a bigger hotel with bigger things of those that can host more people, dozens to hundreds in any venue, especially multiple venues inside there, are definitely places you don't want to go unless you're going to see like a show and that's something you're doing as part of your like Vegas trip or something you're, you're doing in Europe. The reason being is just like, those are bigger targets than anything because they're tourists, they're visitors, and usually a lot of Americans. So find out where the Americans are going and what kind of places are going. And then if you're going to be in a place that has some of that unrest at the time you're there, or if they're a little bit more known to be violence or have attacks or known like that, like if you start hitting some more obscure places, that's when those places want to be more off limits to you. Whereas higher profile areas that might be a bigger target, but are much safer generally that tend not to have those attacks you know, still on a high level alert, you wouldn't go there, but you can definitely go there and feel okay about it. You know, places like the Louvre have lines forever and it would be a right place to have an attack. And we know they've happened like at the Eiffel Tower, but they're pretty rare, but can't happen. There's just so many people. It's actually easy to get away with it, but hard to get away. So you got to take a look at that and figure out what's the crime rate like, how much unrest is there, what's gone in this area. And then you want to avoid those areas as much as possible that are potential targets. Now, when traveling in a vehicle, especially if you rent one, but also in public transportation like a cab where you have control of the window, you want to, unless you absolutely have to, you do not want to roll those down. You want to keep those rolled up. Those are invitations for people to reach in and take your stuff or to grab you or to do the carjacking. That's part of what open windows are for. That's part of the reason why they do the thing where somebody gets in front of you, slows down, you rend them, another guy comes in, backs in and blocks you, but you don't realize maybe that's what's happening what they're really waiting for you to get out of the car because once you get out of the car that's it you stay in the car and refuse to get out they'll eventually actually probably walk away if it's a scam or they're trying to rob you they need you out of the car so they can take you and or get into your vehicle and take your stuff so we want to be in there we want to have locked doors and we want to have windows up as much as possible and we want to make sure that we're cognizantly aware of everybody that's walking around us or can't get close enough to reach us within a couple of steps because those are your more immediate threats now, why we want to plan our routes as much as possible. Part of being the gray man in this situation is looking like you're supposed to be there. Now, sometimes that's hard for us to figure out how to do. So one of the ways to do that is to avoid looking ways that would stand out, like looking lost, looking confused. You know, people are asking for help on the street to random people. You clearly don't belong there and people will pay attention and go, oh, they're not from here. That's our target. So you're better off. If you say there's a hotel there and you're lost or confused and can't find the stuff, do just confidently like you're meant to do it. Walk down to that hotel, walk into their concierge or somewhere in there where there's less people that can see what you're doing. And just be like, hey, I'm looking for this area. Can you tell me where it is? I'm looking for this restaurant. I'm looking for this place. Can you tell me? They've got the information for sure. It's safer. There's less people to potentially hear you, maybe even one or two. Whereas out on the street, it could be anybody. Because a big part of things with especially attacks or being targeted is... 
kind of um, the confidence, the demeanor in which we behave and walk. So think about like security guards. You know, security guards, the guys in uniform, like 90% of their thing is their presence is the deterrence, the fact that they're there. You know, there's a lot of crimes that never happen just because a security guard is present or a police officer is around. You know, there's things still happen, but we don't even know how much they've gone down. It's mostly the criminals eventually caught and told us. I mean, I think I even told the story on here about some of the terrorist attacks we had in Iraq and where the level of security that people had made them delay their attack. And when the soldiers became more complacent and relaxed, then they did it. You know, their security level was down, then they hit them. So there's all kinds of evidence to show that your confidence and demeanor makes you blend in, makes you look like less of a target. They're not trying to determine what level of confidence you have to find out if you're going to be their next target. They're looking for the one guy that stands out that looks lost, looks confused, looks like they need a lot of help. And that's who they're going to get. Which is why the most important thing I can say to you is this. You're lost, you're confused, there's something going on, maybe you guys are trying to figure something out, or you're looking, looking at a map, whatever you're doing. And somebody comes up to you you don't know and offers help. That's your biggest threat. They've identified something about you that you do not belong. They may really want to help you, but just because they speak your language or claim to be from a country that you know or claim to be American and you're American too doesn't mean that they are. And I'm not saying you should run from them. I'm just saying be smart about what you're doing. Because if they are the bad guy, they've already identified you and you're already in the middle of the setup where they're about to get what they want. So the best thing you can do, no matter how nice those people are, is immediately walk away or walk into a building that's safe a business, a hotel, something along those lines. And if you want to find out the best places to go to avoid them and make sure you're not going to places where they are, when you register with your embassy, ask them those questions. What are areas I should avoid or common scams or things I should look out for that people don't think about that happen here all the time that I can be aware of? And then they will key you in on a few things they know over common in that area.